Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. There's a story that I came across this week about the 1916 presidential election. It was one of the closest races in our history. On election night, Charles Evans Hughes, a former New York governor and Supreme Court justice, went to bed thinking he'd become the 29th president of the United States, defeating incumbent Woodrow Wilson. A number of newspapers even headlined a Hughes win. As it turned out, during the overnight... The tide had turned, and Wilson had become the winner. California, decided by a razor-thin 3,700 votes, would be the decisive state. Wilson would serve another term, which, ironically, would include him having to deal with the 1918 influenza pandemic. We make no predictions on how close the 2020 presidential race will be. But there seems to be no question that the results may not be known before we go to bed election night. I think what matters most is that it's accurate. I think what matters most is that people walk away from this election confident in the outcome of this election. On this week's 880 In-Depth, everything you need to know about how to cast your ballot in the 2020 election. We've never seen anything like this before. I mean, it's a perfect storm. Mail-in absentee, in person. We'll do our best to let you hear about how all of it will work this year. And the time to pay attention is now. November 3rd is not election day. November 3rd is the close of the election season. This is 880 In-Depth. I'm Tim Scheld from WCBS News Radio 880, and let's just lay it out. If you think the reopening of schools has been messy this fall, there is a great fear that the 2020 election could bring a similar season of chaos. Or not. We spoke to two experts this week who believe the systems in place will work, that voters will have their voices heard, and that fraud and outside interference will be kept to a minimum. Meet David Becker, executive director and founder of the not-for-profit Center for Election Innovation and Research. So I've worked in elections for uh, over two decades. I was a lawyer in the Justice Department's voting section for seven years under both Democratic and Republican administrations. I spent many years working at the Pew Charitable Trust, leading their election administration efforts. And in 2016, I uh, founded my own nonprofit, the Center for Election Innovation and Research, sticking to the mission that I followed for much of my career, which is 
nonpartisan support of election officials across the political spectrum around the country, helping them find better ways to serve their voters. We began our conversation in an obvious place. We've never seen anything like this before. I mean, it's a perfect storm in many ways, because on the one hand, we have the pandemic, which is putting tremendous stresses on the system. We have um, the need for uh, different polling places, larger polling places that can accommodate social distancing. We have many people who might be at risk and might not want to show up in person. So we're seeing expanded mail voting. And of course, in a presidential election, what we're also seeing is the largest number of voters are going to be participating, but there are also the voters who don't regularly participate. They might only vote once every four years, if at all. And so there's a lot of people who are going to be experiencing changes since the last time they voted, different places to vote, different people at the polling places, different times to vote, and even different ways to vote than they've ever seen before. So getting that information out to voters is more crucial than ever before. And this is all in the context of an election where we're seeing unprecedented enthusiasm to participate. We expect to see turnout certainly before the pandemic, and I think we're still expecting it now, turnout that's higher than perhaps anything we've ever seen in the last 50 years or more. Do you think we can pull this off in November? I'm cautiously optimistic, yes. I think, um, again, the stresses on the system are like we've never seen before. Um, With high turnout combined with all of these changes and the, the threat of the pandemic, But election officials have been working overtime. And a lot of the things that we learned during the primary season have been successfully applied in the second half of this year to try to ensure November is going to be a success. And the key to that is voters need to understand their options and they need to plan and they need to vote early. And that might mean that they choose to vote by mail. And if they choose to vote by mail, they can ask for a ballot early and they should return it early, if possible, in person. Um, But Mail balloting isn't for everybody. Mail voting in many ways is voting without a safety net. There are challenges, particularly for those people who have not understood how to vote by mail before or haven't voted by mail before. And so for whatever reason people prefer to vote in person, there are going to be safe options to vote in person. There are going to be options, for instance, to go vote early, perhaps in a sports arena, which we're seeing in many places, some efforts in which, which I've helped with. Uh, around the country. There are going to be options all around the country. In most states, almost every state, you could vote early in some way, in person, and then you don't need to worry about it. And that really reduces the stress that we expect to see on election day. I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to pull this off. And we're going to have to be patient about the results, because with more mail ballots, more people voting in ways that they've never voted before, it might take a little bit longer to get the final results, depending upon the margins of victory and how close the presidential race is. And we just have to understand election night has always been unofficial. We should just be patient and wait for this to happen and understand that the election officials are doing their job. It's more important to get it accurate and to get it fast. That sounds like a good lecture to people in my business, that that we've got to manage how we have done what we do for a living in terms of election nights and election coverage. Uh, And, you know, we've got to look in the mirror and say, what are we doing uh, to make sure that we are fully educating uh, the voters and the citizenry to make sure that they, you know, manage their expectations? I think that's right. But to be fair to the media, you've always been responsive to the demand as well. We as voters, we as citizens want to know right away. If polls close at 8, 8 p.m., we want to know who won at 8.01. I've been doing this for 22 years. 
I want to know who won at 8.01 p.m., but um, that's just not going to be possible. We have to understand there are going to be 150 million ballots counted in, the nation, in this nation, and some of the races are going to be very close. And we'll just have to understand this might take a little more time and resist the temptation to fill the vacuum that will be created with because we don't have news. We won't be able to say who won and risk the t- resist the temptation to fill that vacuum with speculation or even worse, disinformation that might lead people to think that the process isn't working. Just because it takes some time doesn't mean the process isn't working. It doesn't mean it's rigged. It doesn't mean there's fraud. It actually is probably evidence of exactly the contrary, that the process is working, that election officials and election workers all around the country, your friends, family, and neighbors, they are working to validate every ballot and make sure it's properly counted. More from David Becker in a few minutes. But first, meet Elizabeth Maddow. I'm an associate research professor at the Eagleton Institute of Politics at Rutgers University, and I also direct Eagleton Center for Youth Political Participation. Professor Maddow got on the phone with our Peter Haskell to discuss the expected dramatic increase in voting by mail. Well, I would say as far as the practices that are being adopted by, um, I'm from New Jersey, from the state of New Jersey or other states that have really tried to extend their vote-by-mail options as a response to this global health emergency, I don't think we should be concerned about that. Um, I think the United States um, has a really nice, strong history of using things such as vote-by-mail, for example, Uh, For years and years, um, American military personnel who are serving overseas have successfully voted absentee or vote by mail. Um, Americans living abroad have done the same. There are a few states that extensively, if not exclusively, use vote by mail. So as far as a process, there's some really good best practices. There's some good templates about how to do it well. Now, for sure... um, Scaling it up for those states that haven't done it as a, as a frequent practice, you know, will be challenging. I would say the biggest challenge will be getting the word out. So, but I think that's something, if, if done in a concerted way, can be addressed. I think obviously what's more concerning is um, delegitimizing the, the safety of, uh, of vote by mail or um, inaccurately uh, expressing that it's a fraudulent way to vote or it exposes the vote to fraud, that's a concern. And that would be the only thing in my mind that really questions the safety or the legitimacy of it. Um, I think it is a practice that has been used extensively with great success. When you have the volume of vote by mail, which we will likely have this year, in numbers we haven't done before, does that raise the risk or does it not? Well, I think I think what will be challenging or what's so important is that the support is provided. Yes, a lot more people are going to be voting by mail. Um, and yes, you know, a lot of election systems have had to put together a team quickly um, and have had to move quickly. So I think it can be done. It requires support, though. It requires knowing um, that you have enough funding to hire enough poll workers, that you have enough funding and support to make sure these poll workers are safe, you know, that there's a, plenty of protective personal gear, that there's Purell, that there's plenty of support for, for them. 
And then obviously, you know, making sure that the Postal Service is ready to support um, an increase in uh, ballots that are submitted through the mail. So, yes, it it will be a challenge um, and it will be a lot for those states that have had to scale up really quickly. Now, those states that, um, such as New Jersey, that um, had to change their election practices for their primary, that was an excellent introduction um, and a good test run of how to, you know, how to do things well and where to improve for the next time. So many states had to do that this, you know, as the primary season was coming to a close and were able, were able to put these models into place and now enhance them and improve them. Um, again, I think that it can be done. It requires um, not only the support to make them all function well, um, it also requires um, an accurate uh, public education system um, or a public, communi- a public education communication system where we're really clearly conveying to the public what the voting press practices are going to be um, and making them feel confident, instilling confidence in the voter um, uh, on the steps they need to take and how to make sure their ballot is counted fairly. For the sake of this conversation, and selfishly, since I live there, let's use New Jersey as an example. Governor Phil Murphy, because of the pandemic, moved the state's primary to July, adopting a hybrid model of in-person and mail-in voting. He told our Paul Murnane this week. And overwhelmingly, it worked well. It wasn't a thousand, you know, we didn't bat a thousand, but we, we batted close to it. And so we've tweaked that. And and folks will have a number of choices uh, on the November election. Everybody will get a ballot, and you can either mail that in, you can drop it at a secure box, and we'll have hundreds around the state, or you can show up on election day and hand it to a poll worker. And if you don't like any of that, you can vote in person uh, on a paper ballot. And we will, to your point, we'll have at least 50% capacity, physical locations on election day, and at least one location per community. We think when, when we look at that entirety of that plan, as well as some other tweaks, we think it's going gonna, it's gonna to work and work well. We asked Professor Maddow how she sees it playing out in New Jersey. If I'm not mistaken, New Jerseyans will have three options. Uh, mail it in, a drop box, or go to the polling place. Is, is one better than the other? Is it safer to put it in a drop box and not worry about it, or maybe even go to a polling place? And I would even say you even have a few more. So certainly you're right. You need to, you could send it in the U.S. Post, via U.S. Postal Service. It needs to be postmarked by November 3rd and will still be counted so long as it's received by November 10th. So certainly you can put it in the mail. You can drop it in a secure drop box. And so long as it is dropped in by 8 p.m. on election day, um, you know, every county is, will have a certain number of drop boxes that are secure. It's also important to mention you can also take your vote by mail ballot directly to your board of elections um you know so that's up till um up until election day the third um you have to check their hours to make sure you know um you could even take your vote by mail ballot to your polling location on election day um so there are i just want to clarify that there are a number of ways in which you can um you know deliver your ballot and, you know, of course, and this isn't necessarily due to lack of confidence in the Postal Service, but certainly the closer you can get it to your Board of Elections, the better, in my mind. So it seems to me those are probably your, your 
uh, you know, hopefully foolproof ways to make sure your ballot is delivered is by taking it directly to your board of elections or to your polling location on election day. I think you want to keep in mind there might be, you know, if you're, especially if the reason we have these safeguards in place is to um, maintain social distancing, given that we're in the midst of this public health crisis. So, you know, we want to lessen, you know, we're hoping to actually reduce the number of people at polling locations, but that that is an option. Um, so I would say the closer you can get it to your board of elections, the better. Then you really feel certain that it's it's been received. I do want to make sure voters in New Jersey know that there is a way to track um, your ballot also on the New Jersey Department of Elections website. There's a way you can set up an account and really track where your ballot is and really ensure that it's been counted. And from New Jersey, let's get back to that 30,000-foot view with David Becker from the Center for Election Innovation and Research. We always think of a national election, a presidential election, as if it's a single election. But we have a very decentralized system. And actually, November 3rd is going to be the culmination of 10,000 little elections all around the country. Each individual county and locality that runs elections is going to be running an election that day. And it might use different technology. There might be different rules. There are certainly going to be different people in charge of the elections in that point. But they do share some common characteristics. There are tried and true methods of ensuring that the vote has integrity that fraud doesn't occur. We know that fraud occurs extremely rarely um, to such a degree that it really doesn't seem to have any potential impact at all. And that's because Americans take their elections very seriously and there are a lot of checks and balances in place to prevent that. So there are some commonalities, but really it's your local election office that's gonna be so important to you. If you need any information, try to find your local election office. It's usually your county election office, but in some places it can be a city or a municipality. And find information there, and when in doubt, go to your state election office. They'll be able to redirect you, go to their website. There's a ton of good official information out there, and trust only official sites. Is there a state or a locality uh, that you like to point to to say they, they've got a real good setup, they, they've been doing it correctly or they're doing it correctly? Yeah, I'm going to give you an answer to that question that's probably going to surprise a lot of your listeners, and that's Florida. I think we're going to be looking at Florida in, uh, after the election and say Florida has a really good system. The Secretary of State there has done a remarkably good job of setting Florida up well. The supervisors of election in their 67 counties, there are Republicans, there are Democrats, but they're all incredibly professional and they're prepared for this. And the laws in the state allow for a lot of voter options. You can vote by mail easily without an excuse. And about one in four Florida voters voted by mail in 2016. That number might go up to 50 percent in 2020. They have very easy early voting. There are places like Orlando where the basketball arena is going to be used as an early voting site. And then they know how to do Election Day voting as well. And because margins of victory in that state have been so narrow in, in past elections, a quarter of a percent, a half a percentage point, a one percentage point margin of victory is actually somewhat of a landslide in Florida. So I would expect that we're going to be looking at Florida on Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, November 4th, with knowing likely who won unless the margin is incredibly close and looking at Florida as somewhat of a model for the rest of the nation in terms of providing options for voters. There are some states that do allow for mail-in and early voting, but they don't start counting until Election Day. I found that odd. 
Yeah, that's right. States like Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin have laws that uh, require early, uh, what they call in-person absentee votes, and mail ballots to be held and processed starting only on Election Day. And I think part of the reason for that is um, the historically, they've had relatively low percentages of mail ballots in those states, under 5% in most cases. Um, so that's, those aren't states that have usually had to process a large volume of mail ballots. But of course, this is an entirely different election this year. And uh, I've seen um, encouragement from Republicans and Democrats all across the country and election officials in those states to try to educate the legislators and others in those states so that they can understand that it's really important that they process those ballots early. And actually, it adds to integrity. The more time election officials have to look at each mail ballot, confirm the signatures, confirm all of the information on the ballot, compare it to the voters' information on file, and then mark them as having voted so they can't vote again, which people don't do anyway, but it's a good protection to make sure that they can't. the better the system is. So uh, states like Ohio, North Carolina, Florida allow earlier pre-processing of ballots. So they're ready to go. By the time election night is over, the only ballots they have left to count are the ballots that have come in just that day. All the other ballots are ready to report out relatively quickly. That's good for election integrity. It's also good for voter confidence because they can see this all happening and they know that they get to know the results earlier. So hopefully those states will adjust their laws a little bit in advance uh, and give their election officials a better opportunity to complete their job earlier. Do you also see more states, more and more states, having systems to allow the voters themselves to track the ballots that were sent in by mail so that I could go online, for example, and see if my vote, in fact, was counted? Yeah, we're seeing dozens of states uh, institute ballot tracking um, technology, which not only allows voters to go online and confirm the status of their mail ballot, for instance, but actually oftentimes will even push information by sending a text to a voter when a ballot has arrived in an election office, for instance, or when it's been counted. Very similar to what you might see if you have a UPS package. Um, And so we're seeing that in many, many more states. If you're not sure whether your state offers it, I encourage you again to go to your county website, your county election website or your state election website and see what options there are. You can usually sign up right there. I think obviously it's it's very smart to give people the advice that they need to dig into this today. This is not something you should be looking at on November 1st. November 3rd is not election day. November 3rd is the close of the election season. Um, and anyone who views November 3rd as election day is going to find that they've really reduced their options, that they might find that they have to wait in line. If you show up at 5 p.m. on election day to vote, it's really difficult to complain about a line because you have reduced your options at that point, and that's the only option you have. If you're like the tens of millions of Americans who are just taking time now to make sure they get their ballot, they understand when early voting starts, and they go and get this done ahead of time, they'll be able to forget about it. I've been doing elections for a long time. I probably understand elections as well as almost anybody. I'm voting in person early on the first day of early voting where I can. I'm going to go there first thing in the morning with my wife and son, and we're going to cast our ballot and we won't have to worry about it anymore. And I encourage everyone to do the same. Is there an easy way to explain how a mail-in ballot is uh, is sent in and counted? I know it ha- happens in different ways and in different places. You could, once you, you know, some states will, will be sending, like mine, 
Uh, New Jersey is sending every registered voter a ballot. Some states you have to ask or request for one. But once you get that ballot in your hands, um, is there a is there a way to generalize how that process then works? Yeah, absolutely. So regardless of whether you're in one of the nine states that is automatically sending ballots to every active registered voter, uh, the only swing state among them being Nevada, or you're in the vast majority of states where you have to request a ballot for this specific election, the process is pretty much the same once that ballot gets to you. You have to look at the ballot very carefully, read the instructions to the letter, take your time, vote with your family if you can so that you can go over this and not make a mistake. The Camille is voting without a safety net. If you make a mistake on the ballot or you make a mistake on the envelope, it could put the counting of your ballot at risk. So it's really important you read all the instructions and you fill in the ballot very carefully. If it says fill in the bubble, fill in the bubble entirely. Make sure it's the right bubble that, it, that goes to the right candidate. And then you'll likely be required to put the, the filled out ballot in one envelope and possibly even a second envelope. That's usually the case where then you will seal the envelope and you will need to fill in personal information that only you have on that envelope. That's how election officials validate your ballot and make sure that only eligible voters get to vote and they only vote once. It's really important to do that and election officials go over that very carefully. It will usually involve putting your name, address, probably personal information like birth date and perhaps something like a driver's license or social security number and a signature. When you return that ballot, and if at all possible, return it directly to election officials so the Postal Service doesn't have to serve as a middleman for the process. There's many states where you can drop it in a drop box, which is a secure location that election officials will check, or you can drop it off in an election office. And in some states, you can even drop it off at a polling place. And at that point, whenever they're legally allowed to start, election officials, usually teams of them, will go over each one of these ballots to make sure all of the information matches the voters, voters' information on file, and also that the person hasn't voted yet. So everyone only votes once. There are statewide databases of voter information that every state has that enables them to check it. So this process is entirely secure. We've been voting by mail since before the Civil War. There are, in, in 2016, about 25% of all ballots were cast by mail. This is not some newfangled thing. This is something we've done before. We're just going to be doing more of it this year than we have before. Our voting experts were in absolute agreement on the need for the public to engage in this process as early as possible this year. We began this podcast talking about an election night that lasted well into the next day over a century ago. I might remind you that four years ago, Donald Trump didn't deliver a victory speech until well into the next day, and Hillary Clinton didn't concede until a full day later. And let's not forget that messy 2000 presidential election, where then-Vice President Al Gore conceded more than a month after Election Day, finally giving up his fight over how the ballots in Florida were counted. Our Peter Haskell and Elizabeth Maddow. Let's look ahead to November 3rd. What is the likelihood we will have a presidential winner or even congressional winners that night to know the result? And does it matter if we get it that night or we wait a day or two or five or ten? I think what matters most is that it's accurate. I think what matters most is that people walk away from this election confident in the outcome of this election. You know, the United States for uh, throughout America's history, really, 
has been seen as um, an exemplar when it comes to the peaceful transition of power. And that's all rooted on the idea that we we see our elections as legitimate. So that's I think that's the most important lesson to come out of this. Or that's what I am hoping when we come out of this election. Um, you know that that will be um, you know such an unfortunate stain on American history. I would say if there are real questions about the legitimacy of our elections. So I think for that reason, it matters much more that we get it right then we get it election night. And I think, um, you know, people need to be patient and they need to understand, especially given that there will be so many ballots that are submitted by mail and there are states such as New Jersey that will count these ballots all the way up till November 10th. Um, so I think people need to be patient. And what matters most is that it's accurate. And what I certainly hope um, is that public officials will be echoing that sentiment. Most importantly, the two candidates for president. Most importantly, the candidates for all these offices. That they will recognize what matters most is that it's accurate and that integrity of democratic elections is preserved. Um, Not seeking to undermine it um, if we have to wait a couple days. Do you think we'll have a projected winner November 3rd I'm not confident necessarily that we will. There's some that say, yes, we will. I I don't necessarily know if I have a good answer for you on that. I think I am willing to wait (laughs) if there is not, if we are not entirely sure. Um, So I can't guarantee that we will know that day or the next day. Um, I think a lot of it will depend on how quickly these ballots come in. Will people be, you know, be um, submitting their ballots early? But not all states are going to begin to count them early. Um, and I think there's real variety between states on when they will begin to count the ballots. So I'm, I'm not necessarily anticipating that we will know on election night, but I'm patient, and I'm certainly telling everyone to be patient. What matters more is that we get it right, um, not that we get it fast. Eight eighty in depth is a weekly podcast from WCBS News Radio eight eighty. Executive producers are Peter Haskell and myself. Our thanks to our guests and all the good information they gave us today. You've got a ton of resources out there to find information on your specific state, how you can vote this year. I will say one great website that can serve as a doorway comes from the National Association of State Election Directors. Just search for nased.org. N-A-S-E-D.org. Be safe and please vote. in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 